Welcome to the world's premier Black Crows podcast. State of America. Hosted by two of the band's most dedicated fans, David Hudson and Ian Rice. And now, let's get the show on the road. All right, everybody, welcome back to the State of America podcast. As always, I am David, and I'm, I'm here with my buddy Ian, and we are back with uh, hopefully uh, another episode that all of you guys will enjoy. You can follow us on social media at State of America at, at Twitter, and we have a State of America podcast page on Facebook. And we have our Instagram account, State of America Podcast. And also, uh, if you can, leave us a, a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. That would uh, greatly help us uh, spread the, the word of the podcast and maybe get some new ears uh, on here. And with uh, more people listening, the, the more guests we can get. So, uh, Ian, we haven't talked in a while. How are you been? All right. I'm all right. Hanging in there, just doing my thing, trying to get by. How about you? <laughs> I mean, just the same. Just the same. I know you're. Uh, you've been real busy at work. Seems like you guys are, uh, are are starting to slowly come back to civilization. Yeah, somewhat. I think uh, some people disagree, but I think I uh, still have to err on the side of caution with a lot of things. I mean, businesses are certainly reopening, but it doesn't mean it's one hundred percent back to normal. You know what I mean? Yeah, hopefully we're slowly, slowly getting there. Um, I think the concerts are done for a while. I've been seeing a lot of articles floating around on social media about how a lot of our favorite concert venues are in danger of closing. Yeah, especially some of the smaller ones. Uh, yeah, another thing I see quite a bit, and people have emailed us and messaged us to ask us as, as if we know anything, <laughs> but uh, um, uh, regarding ticket refunds and now that it's postponed, how do, you, how do you get your money back? Can you get your money back? And, you know, we really don't. We don't have an inside track on that, but from what I understand, um, once they announce what the, what the rescheduled dates are, there will be an opportunity to uh, get a refund because obviously, you know, maybe those new dates don't work for you or, or what have you. So I think I think the option is going to be, you know, you'll have 60 days or something to uh, get a refund, or you can just use the ticket, which will be honored at the the rescheduled date. But other than that, I don't know much. But really, you know. How many hundreds of shows have had to be canceled and rescheduled and postponed and what have you? Like it's it's going to be a minute, you know. But yeah, I, I have a I have faith that it'll come through. Yeah, I, I mean, Live Nation. I mean, they already have a bad enough reputation. They couldn't take the publicity hit of taking people's money over this. No, you know, I mean, they they wouldn't be able to come back from it because it, it would be on such a grand scale. Yeah, I think everybody's going to get an opportunity to go see the the rescheduled show or get their get their money back i'm certainly hoping on that but it's serious taking a while like i got an email over a month ago that my wilco concert was not going to be rescheduled and i would be getting my money back still haven't gotten it back but it said in the email you know there's such an overwhelming number of of requests to process that it may take a while so i think eventually um and right now and everything's being canceled at once so i think everybody eventually get their money back that wants to get their money back i mean i just uh encourage people to hang in there and you know i think uh, everything will be okay in the end you know speaking of being okay in the end I want to thank everybody that's been bidding so far on um the nucci space uh black crow signed vip poster from the 2013 tour as we drop this episode i think there'll be two days left on that and so we uh will be posting that item again on our social media but uh all the money goes to nucci space which We've had Dave Chamberlain on here before. It's a uh, Athens, Georgia-based charity that helps uh, musicians with that have uh, mental illness and you know suicide prevention. It provides them a, pl- a place to go and uh, practice, uh, and so it mm-hmm. also helps them with uh, take care of take care of some some problems they may be having. So, um, uh, if you can uh, go and bid on it, uh, like I said, all the money goes to them, and it's a really good cause. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's certainly a charity we've supported in the past and continue to support, and Dave Chamberlain is a great friend of ours. And, uh, you know, we'd like to see New G Space continue, so we're trying to help them in any endeavor they have. And I realize, you know, I mean, at last check, the uh, the bid on the uh, poster was about 150 bucks. I understand these times, you know, it's uh, that might be out of some people's league, certainly out of mine right now. But, uh, you know, if you can, you know, if you go to the... Uh, Nucci Space website. They do also offer uh, Nucci Space T-shirts at a reasonable price. I think they're twenty bucks. You know, and that would help them too if you could 
you could swing something like that, or you know, I'm sure you could even just make donations in any amount. But it's it's a great cause, and they really do good things, and they're good people. So, yeah. So uh, go check that out. Like I said, as we when we release this episode, I think it's going to have two more days on it. So uh, we appreciate mm-hmm. everybody helping out with that. Thank you to everybody that's been listening. We had a good response to our interview with Britt Turner of Blackberry Smoke. We've had a couple of people say, hey, why was it so short? Well, that's we only asked him for about 20 minutes or so. And, uh, you know, he got to know us a little bit. And I, I've texted back and forth with him a couple of times. I think he's somebody that if we asked on again would definitely come back on. We And we do want to have on again. Yeah, I mean, he even said to us post-interview that, you know, he was interested in coming back. I think the first kind of go around, he was seeing if we were all right, you know, and testing us out too you know so he was a great guy and uh you know i would like to mention again too that uh, they have that forthcoming uh live at capricorn sound ep that you can pre-order now uh comes out uh june 19th yeah yeah and it's, uh, it's gonna be uh the songs i've heard from it are, are really really good yeah and the, you know there's all kinds of bundles they have i think i i think i jumped in on the one that had a t-shirt in it and all that stuff so uh but uh you know check it out it's definitely the the tracks are most of the tracks are available for preview and and they're great you know it's all tracks that were recorded at capricorn sound studios back in the day so it's it's really cool so check that out too yeah looking forward to that and Britt, as he told me in a in a message he loves the black crows and uh he likes our podcast so uh, we really appreciate that he was a super nice guy i had fun talking to him and um if he's willing and i think he is we'll have him on again maybe we can go a little bit longer next time so this week uh we have another interview for you guys it's another one of those um interviews that, that a lot of people uh seem to enjoy and been asking about it's a guy that spent uh spent some time tickling the keys for the black crows rob clores and uh, we uh conducted this interview and uh rob's a super nice guy i'd like to have him yeah. on, uh, again in the future absolutely i uh reached out to him via instagram and he's just a great guy very uh very friendly and uh he's a uh a project of his own uh, coming out that we speak about in episode, but the uh, definitive release date for it now is July 10th. That's the it's called Split Second Meltdown, and you can visit his website robcloris.com to get all the details on that and pick it up. So, if you like what you hear in our interview, and uh, you know, I encourage you to give it a uh, an opportunity because uh, you know we we preview it a little bit. It's some great material that we heard, and yes, yes, uh, the two songs he sent us uh, liked a lot. We talked about. Obviously, his stint with the Crows and some other uh, albums he's played on. But uh, uh, as usual, he was a super nice guy. So here's Rob. Take care.
right, everybody. So we have a very special guest today. We just played a track called Flesh and Blood off of his upcoming project. That was the Split Second Meltdown. And we are very happy to welcome Mr. Rob Cloris to the show. Rob, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you, guys, Ian and David, and greetings to the Americans. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into the, the ins and outs of your career, because you've had a very very productive career how did you start playing music in the first place and what were some of your early influences well uh my um uh my dad uh played piano and guitar uh so uh, there was always music around the house and uh he was into elvis and he was into george jones and you know country and and that kind of you know rock rock and roll and um so i, I started playing piano at, a, at an early age probably picking things out when i was like six and then i uh, started lessons the whole classical lesson thing very good for the technique uh but but i was always interested in rock and roll i grew up in new jersey uh, right outside of new york city so we had we had the new york rock stations and uh i i i was always listening to rock and roll in the day, which was, let's say, the late, late, late 70s. So they were still playing, you know, they were playing Led Zeppelin, they were playing Hendrix, they were playing, you know, all that great stuff, you know. And uh, so, um, yeah, that's kind of how. And then I uh, then I, I took, uh, then I went to jazz school for a while. Uh, wow. to, uh, I, I had a great jazz teacher. But I knew that I always wanted to rock. <laughs> I, you know, I, you know, I got the classical, I got the jazz, I know those the languages and stuff, but um, I'm just really into rock and roll. Well, you mentioned your dad played piano and guitar. It, are you? Do you just play piano, or do you pick up the guitar as well? I pick up the guitar. I'm 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 um, I'm, um, I'm not that good on the guitar, um, actually. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, but uh, but that's 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 uh, it's challenging, you know. And um, these songs that I've uh, written uh, for a, a split second meltdown um, uh, were all written on guitar and uh, they're, they're actually there there's very little keyboards in in the music it's just it's it's real kind of heavy guitar based and i just i just i just love that i i i love um electronica too like i like the whole like uh you know melding of the of the you know synthesizers and the heavy guitar thing i'm really into that um, but yes, to answer your question, uh, I play a little bit of guitar. I'm not very good, but I can write a song on it. <laughs> well, when, when I was growing up, I was in seventh grade. I wanted a guitar so bad. And my mom, she said, before you get a, I buy you a guitar, you're going to take two years of piano lessons. And she said, I will take you to the guitar store and you can buy any one you want if you complete two years of piano lessons. And she said, if you can play the guitar. If you can truly play the piano, you understand music, and you can play every, anything else coming from that. So uh, I've always grown up with a healthy appreciation of uh, people that, that play the piano, and um, and I think a lot of times piano music is missing from a lot of rock music. It adds a lot. Now, it may not always be in the forefront, but if it's not there, you miss it. I mean, do you think we don't have enough piano in, in rock music these days? Uh, I I. I totally agree. And, um, you know, it's it's like a form. Of, it's like a kind of a glue like that. You know, somebody I got hired a lot to play organ on a track, play the B3 and, and, and it kind of glue, glues the track you know, together. And it's not, you know, a lot of times it's not in the forefront. It's kind of mixed in there. But uh, son sonically, um, it has a lot to offer, you know, and I. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I always appreciated bands like, uh, the, like the keyboard parts and, you know, like how Led Zeppelin used, you used, 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 uh, you know, various keyboard instruments. It was, is really great that, you know, the Beatles, Pink Floyd, of course, uh, you know, where, you know, it wasn't like, uh, Deep Purple where the organ is, is, is the main thing that, we, but, uh, you know, how it, how it, uh, how the colors, uh, and, the you know, tones, um, complement the, 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 you know, the composition. Well, we kind of wanted to get into to some of your career because it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. You've played with a lot of people and done a lot of stuff. I saw that you played on John Popper's album, Zygote. And I guess that was maybe his first solo album. How did that happen? How'd you meet up with him? I had been playing with a band uh, in the nineties uh, um, out of Hoboken, New Jersey called um, Psychomoto Goat. And they were kind of like a grungy band, but, I, I was playing, a, I was in it, and I was playing B, B3, and I was playing Wurlitzer through like a 
you know, like a, a the story of Whirly and stuff. And John Popper really liked that band. And uh, he would invite us onto the Horde tours, you know, on like the second stage or, or, or something. And I, I, we did that in like uh, 96, 97. And then when he wanted to do a, a solo record, he, he, he basically took took that whole band. But then he got Carter Carter Beaufort from uh, from Dave Matthews Band. But that was a cool experience. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I think we did that in in, in 1999. Uh, you know, Popper's an extremely talented guy. You know, he's got his own sound. Um, yeah, so uh, we did a record and, and we did a and we did a tour, and it was it was it was cool. It was a cool experience. Uh, I, I I don't know how I don't think the record you know broke any. Uh, and he sells, uh, uh, you know, but it, but it, but it was art, you know. I mean, that's a, the, that's the way I feel about music in general. It's, it's not, I mean, for me, it's about making art, and that's it. I mean, you know, if, if you make money at it, that's that's great. But if you don't, and, and you could just make art, uh, you know, that's to me, that's the payoff. You know? It's it's funny, you know, you mentioned that, like, you know, you don't think the record necessarily was a, a did big commercial numbers and it, it to me it's always funny like a guy like john popper who comes from a very successful band like blues traveler or, or guys of a similar you know, caliber they put out a solo record and if it was the same record with blues traveler slapped on it it, it would sell right. x amount more just because of the name right. it's such a I, I find music fans a, a lot of times to be very fickle with that i don't know is it's a very odd mm. thing yeah, yeah, it's kind of you know you see throughout throughout you know history the band is much more popular than the solo than the singer you know I mean I, mean, I think uh, you know I mean I don't know how many records Mick Jagger sold but uh, it wasn't <laughs> yeah it, and he's Mick Jagger it, 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 yeah yeah it wasn't you know it, well, it, one of the only ones I can think of that really made it work was Sting when he left the Police mm, true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the first one that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, he's he he kind of hit hit it out of the park with the solo career. Yeah, and he kind of shifted, you know, you know, genres a bit. He kind of went into you know, he was using Branford Marsalis and the jazz cats, and kind of did um, you know a little bit of a smoother sound, but it was still sing, Sting, and it was extremely successful as you as you as you're saying. Yes. Also, in your uh, in your in your vast uh, discography there. You did some work with uh, Colin Hay. Now, Colin Hay is best known for fronting Men at Work, you know, uh, very yes. popular in the 80s. But uh, So how did you start working with him, and what was that experience like for you? Colin Hay, another really talented guy. Um, I uh, just, I, uh, my friend was playing with him. He lives out in Topanga, and uh, my friend uh, Tony Bruno was playing with him, and... Um, uh, this is yeah that was before that was also before the uh, uh, the Black Crows and um, he needed you know he needed some keys so uh, he he I went out and he became a a friend and we um, we uh, toured we toured a bit in the states we toured uh, Brazil I did a couple of records with him and uh, yeah he's uh, he's a he's a cool guy a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of stories well he's he's had a he's had a pretty good amount of success as a solo person. He has, yeah, 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 yeah. He's uh, he's worked it quite a quite a bit doing a solo thing. He's all, he's also very entertaining. Like he's got so many stories and jokes, and he really entertains a uh, you know an audience. You know, with the accent, and, you know, the Vegemite and the eye. And, you know, he's uh, he's uh, he's uh, yeah. And then and actually, he's been uh, uh, yeah. He's he's been playing with Ringo for quite a, a while too, which is. Which, which actually, uh, I'll get to that later. That's how I, that's how I uh, reacquainted with uh, with uh, Gorman last year. It was at a, it was at a window. Oh yeah, he, he, yeah. He sat in. <laughs> Gorman sat in on one of those shows, didn't he? And played drums on a, on a track, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He he sat in on, uh, on a little little help from my friends. But that's how that's how I ran into Gorman at a show last year, and I hadn't seen Gorman in like 10, 10, 10 years. So we got reacquainted. And, you know, we talked about the book, and he said I was in the book, and I was like, "Thanks, man." <laughs> <laughs> well, let me let me ask you a question about going and playing with other people when you didn't record the music. I'm sure it varies from from artist to artist, but sometimes are they like, "Hey, just play it note for note like it was on the record," and sometimes they're like, "Make it your own." Yeah. Um, and and how often is it? What percentage would you say is like make it your own? I would say make it your own is. It, it, 
is quite a lot. I kind of have this this thing though. If there's like a solo that I that I that I love, not not only when I'm if I'm watching it, if I'm watching a concert, I want to hear that solo. Uh, I want to hear you know like a classic guitar solo, say you know like a, or, or or keyboard solo. But uh, mo- yeah, mo- most of the time it, it's uh, make it your own. But uh, you know, just I know we're gonna talk about the crows in a, in a second, but you know, with them, it's like I wanted to play. You know, Ed Ed solo say you know, on conspiracy. Like I like I love that solo, and I wanted to, I wanted to play that shit. So, well, one of the artists that you that you've um, done a lot with that uh, that has wrote one of my favorite songs is uh, Jesse Mallon. I love Queen okay. of the Underworld. Like that's such a that's such a good song. You've played with him a, a, a lot, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I met Jesse in the early two thousands. And I was playing with him then. Uh, we, we did some tours, and then I went off, and I, you know, I kind of split for for ten years, and then, uh, but then I, I I I hooked up with him again a few a few years ago. We live pretty close by. He's he's in New York, and I'm in Jersey City, and uh, we started playing again, and it felt good, and I love him. He's a he's a Jesse Mallon's a great guy, and um, yeah, we we I've, I've uh, you know, I, I played this. Uh, uh, we just did a record uh, last year with Cinda Williams, so we've been playing with with her a bit. He does all these cool benefits uh, for Joe Strummer Foundation, and uh, uh, with all these you know guest artists, I've been involved in, in that. But um, yeah, Jesse's a good guy. I watched a video from earlier this year. Basically, I guess when Ryan Adams made his first per- public uh, appearance in a long time. And, uh, okay. and, and that, that yeah, it looked like that was you over there playing. Um, I'm not going to get into Ryan's issues, but he's one of my favorite artists of all time. And yeah. and I hope to see him come back and release new music again. And he produced some of Jesse's albums, didn't he? He did. Yes, he 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 produced. I believe it was the first record. It was that it was that record. And uh, and uh, I think I, I worked with him on uh, on the Heat and one of Jesse's other. Uh, records but yeah another like a uh, ryan's a really talented guy and uh he he and jesse are real tight and um you know he's uh everybody makes mistakes and like i i you know without going into it i hope he comes i hope he comes back too because i do too he's i think he's a great songwriter and he's a he's a talented dude and well and and Catherine popper i think was playing and then she was in the cardinals uh for a while with him as well so uh, anyway, that was cool. I, I I saw you on there, and I was like, "That's awesome!" So, <laughs> oh, nice. yeah, yeah. You know, I keep uh, I keep I keep I keep busy. You know, I like to uh, <laughs> I, I like to keep busy. I, I do I do a lot of recording. I do a lot of writing the music for different 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 projects. But uh, but I like to float around and sit in and play with different people. You know, in 2006, you took on a very uh, very hard job as far as I'm concerned, and that was, uh, you know, filling the spot that was left vacant by Ed Harsh and the Black Crows. And this is at a yeah. time where not only did they lose Ed Harsh, they lost Mark Ford as well. So how did you get the gig with the Crows, and, and what was kind of like the atmosphere on that first fall tour? Well, um, I had been playing with Rich in 2004, but in 2005. I, I was, I think I was traveling during that time with Colin Hay and a couple other people. And whenever I came into town, um, um, I, I would play with Rich, and, and we would we, we did his band with um, Joe Jim Distro was playing drums, and um, you know we we played we played some Northeast shows, Philly and New York and and, and, and Connecticut. Um, so that was yeah, let's see, 2005. So 2006 came around, and um, yeah, I was pretty surprised uh, to get uh, an audition for the Crows. Um, I guess that was in August. I'm not sure how many people auditioned, but I know it was like, you know, at least like 10 or 20 or, or something like that. You know, I, I don't know. But but yeah, so I like I, I, I had a, I had, I had to learn about four or five songs and the audition was in New York. And I and I went in and I got the gig, so so that was yeah I mean it was pretty it was pretty uh, thrilling, um, except for um, the uh, the tour started in two weeks, and I had a song list of like ninety 
originals <laughs> and probably to start out like 20, 20, 20 covers. Now that was like the most material that I, I ever had to learn uh, really for, for anything. And there was no rehearsal. Oh, <laughs> which, which is, which, which is kind of big. I mean, I mean, that's very, it's very odd too. Like most, most like 99% of people want, want, want to rehearse a high percentage over, over rehearse, but I like to rehearse and, you know, it would have been, it would have been great to have like one rehearsal, but in a way, I mean, you know, it was kind of cool. I mean, we, I had sound checks yeah. to rehearse. So, so, so basically I like shed, shed, shed for two weeks. They were uh, gracious enough to pay me to, to, to shed for two weeks. Uh, so that helped. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, but, you know, it was a lot, it, it, it was a lot of songs. It was like, 90 i mean it, it then grew to like 47 covers or, or something like that you know? but um but yeah but ed you know from what i understood he was like the fans fa- favorite guy so so right there i mean that's kind of like big 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 shoes to fill right over 100 songs no rehearsal i was pretty nervous and at that time mark 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 was still there right so three three days before the tour i think it was it was in early september mark mark was gone so paul stacy all of a sudden was in the hot seat you know <laughs> like like i like like the heat kind of kind of got take, taken off me right so right it, it got put on poor paul but paul's an amazing <laughs> uh, amazing musician and uh but i mean that made me feel like a little bit like you know oh okay i got some room at least i had two weeks to prepare I kind of know my shit, you know, even though it's, you know, I don't know what the first song is, is, is going to be. So it was a little nerve, uh, it was a little nerve wracking, but then, but then when that happened, it, 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 it kind of took the heat off a bit. Um, but, you know, everybody was cool and everybody wanted everybody to do well. I, I, I kind of felt bad for the fans though, because all of a sudden Ed's not there, right? You know, and people buy their tickets in advance. So they're probably, they, they're probably bummed out about Ed not. <laughs> then all of a sudden Mark Ford's not there. I mean, they 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 were probably really they were probably really bombed, right? All of a sudden, there's two main dudes. Like but but in a lot in a, in a lot of ways, you and Paul Stacy saved them. I mean, because that that yeah. tour was booked. There was a lot. Of, you know, they had a lot of dates. You guys stepped in and yeah. uh, and and did a and did a great job on oh, short yeah. notice. And I mean, I, I, the thing that upsets me about Ed Harsh. Is I don't feel like outside of the Black Crows world, people realize how great of a musician he was. We've I don't know we've interviewed Matt Slocum. I don't know if you know Matt or not. He, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. In the Magpie yeah. Salute, and he talked about just how nerve wracking at times was trying to play some of Ed's parts because, like the outro on Descending, that's very special to Black Crows fans. Uh, you know the 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 keyboard, keyboards and Thorn in My Pride he did a great job on that, and you stepped right in and. Uh, you know, there have been some people that have come along after you and the Crows that the fans haven't accepted in that position. But uh, I feel like you were accepted and, you know, you got thrown into it. And I, kudos for you for stepping up and doing that, because that had to have been nerve wracking, knowing like he is the most beloved member of the Crows. Like everybody yeah. loved him, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah. but let me ask you about this, because uh, obviously the Crows jam a lot and they really did in 05 and 06 a lot. Mm-hmm. Like are the jam a lot of the jams are they are they planned out? It's like hey, when we get to Thorn in My Pride, we're going to stretch it out five minutes. And if so, is how much of is is improvised on the fly? And if it's improvised, who's directing traffic, so to speak? I mean, from from what I I I I remember being on stage. I remember just getting a nod like from Rich, and and a nod meant go go you know you know go for it and. You know, in the back of my mind, I, you know, like I play a little bit and I'm like, okay, like, you know, should I stop now, <laughs> you know, or, or should I keep going? And then maybe I would look over him and he, you know, would like nod some more. And I, I guess after a few shows, you know, I kind of got the, I got the hang up. I think, uh, I think the jam sections were kind of loosely, loosely there. At least, at least when I was there, I kind of felt like, Okay, yeah, this is section. You know, Rob can take some. This is section that that like Paul, Paul, Paul will take some. I mean, sometimes it was sometimes it was on the fly, but I think mostly, 
you know, depending on the song, it was sort of um, spontaneous. And, you know, that's the other thing, too. I, I didn't know what 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 the sets were, 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 were going to be like. Whatever Chris felt like playing, you know, he wrote out a set list. And I'm like, have I played this song before? You know, so... So it was, it was, you know, it was, it was definitely uh, nerve wracking, but yeah, I think I answered your question. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> you did. <laughs> so in between that first '06 fall tour and then when you guys reconvened to head out in '07, you did nice. a couple of gigs with uh, Rich in New York City under the name Circle Sound, which I was a very big yeah. fan of, and a lot of the yeah. material, the cover material you picked during that, and would end up in Crow's set list later. How did that? project come to be and was it meant to be anything more than just those couple of shows i don't i don't know i mean i know that you know rich just wanted to play and i don't really know what his big what his big you know picture was uh for that project but i mean it was definitely cool to play with him and sven and uh i think i, I think uh, joe 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 played terms uh, luther was in there luther was in there yeah yeah Right, or, yeah, or, um, you know, maybe that was something that, you know, to try to get Luther in there, or kind of familiar, maybe it was a feeling out of Luther thing, I'm not sure, but that, but that was, yeah, that was fun, I remember we played, a, yeah, a couple shows, at, at least Bowery Ballroom or something like that, yeah, man, yeah, Rich is, uh, Rich is great, man, a couple times in Soundcheck, guys would bring him uh, like a custom head or something like that. And I'd be, I'd be like sitting there while, while he was testing it out. And it, it was just pure guitar rock. And it was, I think he's very underappreciated as like a rhythm player. I mean, I know he does a lot of alternate tunings and I know I've seen interviews with like Marcus King when he, he went out with Chris and they played some Crow songs and he was like, man, I tried to, play some of those rich parts and like it's it's a lot harder than it you know necessarily sounds and he he seems to be a real student of the 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 craft yeah yeah absolutely man and uh you know it's got a great sound i mean that's like that's like the number one thing and just you know not to mention all the tremendous riffs that 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 he wrote that you know the backbone of like you know of you know the harmonic uh you know the backbones of the of a lot of the songs so your uh, your your tenure came to an end with them, uh, I think, toward the end of '07. What are kind of some of your your favorite memories of, of being in the band? Well, playing playing the songs were was pretty thrilling. Uh, I mean, even though, like I was saying, it's, it was just a big you know a big challenge. You know, I mean, uh, you know, you know, the atmosphere with the with the fans was just kind of like interesting. I mean, I had never been on that kind of a tour before. All the tours that I had been on, uh, I usually have a buddy or two that, you know, real good friend. And that's 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 really a great way to tour when you have, you know, you know, somebody that you're really close to. So that was I kind of like the way it was. I was kind of thrown into this, Mm -hmm. you know, family that had been, you know, this train had been chugging along for years and you know everybody was kind of you know sat in their ways and i was like the new guy like paul paul was a new guy too paul was like the only guy like after a you, know, you get to a hotel you get out you know hey anybody want to have a drink and you know paul paul was usually the only one who who was up for it you know <laughs> or i was having to drink with a with a fan or you know something. everybody was just real kind of set in their way so i was like all right <laughs> I, 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 you know, uh, I'm sure the crew bus is having a real fun time right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know you mentioned uh, you um, saw Steve recently or whatever. Do you yeah. do you still main con- maintain any contact with any of the other guys in the band? Um, no, no. Um, just kind of the way I am with uh, with gigs. It's like as soon as a gig is over, I'm I'm kind of looking looking forward. You know, I'm looking looking for the next thing and and. Um, you know, I mean, I I did run into uh, Paul last year in London. We were doing a uh, a Joe Strummer uh, uh, thing, and uh, we were we played one one song together. Uh, but no, but I, I but I you know I had called Steve. I, I I didn't actually really even follow follow what 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 was going on. Like I mean, I knew you know um, like uh, um, I never really listened to. Thing, thing, things they did because I'm always kind of doing my own thing. I'm right, always, right. I'm always working with new people, so I kind of don't look back. Sort of, uh, right. Sort of, sort of deal. You know. But uh, as 
healthy or unhealthy as that is, that's kind of the way I am. <laughs> well, that's great. You know, if you can just keep moving forward, that's always a positive thing. Was it yeah. like 07 comes, the tour ends, and then was it always intended oh. that, that your run with the band was ending then, or, or was there something that led to that happening? No, I, you know, I was kind of still in there, even though I, 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 I mean, I never really felt like, you know, I mean, everybody was nice, you know, I mean, uh, Chris was, is, he's very, very charming guy. Um, you know, I was, I, I was working with, uh, with Rich on the Circle Sound. Uh, they were working on some new songs. Uh, and I went into the studio in New York. Um, I think that was early March of, of 07. They, I don't think this stuff has ever been uh, released. Uh, Natural Born, Turn It On, uh, Share My Blanket. There's some there's some copies floating around. Yeah, we yeah, have them. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Yeah. So it's like uh, like I I like I play on that stuff. Paul, you know, Paul was was engineering that stuff, and then it just kind of seemed like things kind of shifted. You know, I mean, you know, these guys are artists, right? They like probably. You know, they're creative dudes. They probably change their mind every five minutes. And I think, <laughs> I think, you know, um, I remember auditioning. You know, I was at the audition with, uh, it wasn't an audition, but I, I went to Luther's family com- compound to play. I, I don't know what month that was. And they were kind of, you know, checking out the, the new songs. And I remember them, the songs being real kind of mellow. You know, I could definitely tell that things were going in that kind of, kind of, kind of, you know, that in that direction. Kind of not really the riff, you know, the real rock stuff. Kind of in the more mellow, mellow, mellow direction. So, I mean, I, I mean, I think that, you know, I think they, I think they, I think they liked me. You know, I think they, they appreciated what I, what I'd done. And then it was time to do a new record, and things, things, things change. You know. Yeah. Well, let me let me ask you this real quick, since you mentioned Luther. Uh, I'm assuming you're talking about the zebra ranch. Yes. Uh, did you did you get to meet his dad? Um, I believe that he was there. I think that he was there. Yeah, and, and that was a wild place, man. Kind of real interesting clubhouse, like man cave, like real. It was cool. <laughs> yeah, I I live in Mississippi. I live like two hours from from where that is. But yeah, so that's cool. Um, with with Luther, Luther added a lot. But you're right when they when Luther joined, they went kind of more in like an Americana, a little more laid back vibe than necessarily a rock vibe for the next for their final two albums. Yeah, 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 yeah. It uh, yeah, it kind of it kind of went went in that direction. I mean, you know, probably uh, you know whatever whatever the dynamic is uh between those guys, that's the way. <laughs> you know, that's what happened. You know. <laughs> Now, but, uh, you know, following your time with the Crows, what was the what, what were kind of some of the next things you went on to? After that, what the heck did I do? Um, I, I'm I'm always recording, so I'm always doing a lot of a lot of sessions. I think at that time I had some real good like writing gigs, like um, like the money gigs, like uh, corporate stuff. Like I had I had two young kids, so. You know, I think I kind of went with the money uh, for like the end of that year and then the next year. But, you know, always kind of had my hand in playing. And, um, you know, I play with some great, 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 uh, great people, you know, I mean, since then, you know, the last the last decade. Yeah, I mean, uh, more recently, uh, one of the people you've played with, which I, was a surprise to me because I I absolutely love this record and I've never really examined the uh the credits on it, but you played with uh, Chris Barron from the Spin Doctors on his uh, Angels and One Arm Jugglers album. How did you yeah. kind of get involved with him? I know he's big in the New York scene, so yeah, he's big in the New York scene. I'm, I'm actually right after the, actually right before the John Popper record, like right about two two thousand. I was in a band with Chris. You like he had a band, uh, the Give Daddy Five. Uh, yes, yeah, I think that I think that was la- the late '90s, and then after the Popper thing, uh, two. 2001 2002 so so we did a lot of playing around new york he's a he's a friend you know and uh, so i was really happy and then he he went off and did other things and so i was really happy a few years ago when he asked me to play on on his record it's really a great record yeah a lot of uh you know it's really great great songs and uh, the, the production and uh, yeah. everything's great I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Rob. The part of the thing that makes that record great is your contributions to it. I mean, this, oh. the stuff that you add to it, beautiful That's on that right. record, fantastic. 
Thank you, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I just mainly play piano on the record, a little bit of the world, sir. You know, sensitive piano playing. Yes. Because, you, know, <laughs> you know, I'm a sensitive pianist that likes to rock. <laughs> well, so what is I that? With rock, the, with the, I play sensitive <laughs> What is that they used to say on the on the monster ballad CDs? Uh, Every rocker has a soft side, right? You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rob. So your your new project, and we played Flesh and Blood before yeah. uh, you came on, is Split Second Meltdown. That's an awesome name. And that's real rock. So tell us about the project. Who's in it? When it's coming out? How people can find it? Oh well, I'm glad you like it. Not not too many people have 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 uh, have heard it yet. I kind of started writing some stuff like a few a few years ago, and you know, I mean, my career has basically been being a sideman and interpreting other people's music. I mean, that's what I've been doing for for all these years. I, I've always I've always written, but I never really uh, had anything to say, or if I had something to say, I just couldn't, you know, I just couldn't put it down into words, and you know, I was kind of self conscious about my singing and. You know, and then I think in my current midlife, you know, crisis, no, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just like, you know what, I want, I want to make art, and and I, I love rock and roll. I mean, I also love other, you know, other kinds of music, but um, I just want to make rock. You know, I want to make some, I want to make some, some, some rock music. I want to make rock music to make art for the sake of making art. So, I, so I think I'm gonna come. Out, I think the EP, I think five song EP is what I'm, is what I'm going to do for for now and kind of see how it goes and see how I like doing all this, all the work that comes in to, uh, I mean, comes along w uh, with um, releasing music and um, I'll see who, uh, how I like it. But I, but I got some really good players on a couple of songs. I got um, on my, uh, my buddies from, from New Jersey, John DeServio, JD from, um, you got the shirt on black label S society is playing bass and cool. he's awesome. Um, Bob Pantella is playing drums from Monster Magnet and all these other all these other bands. Uh, this guy Kenny Dubman is uh, playing guitar on it, and then I have Charlie Paxson and uh, Jimmy Messer and Saul Schneider from um, L.A. They're just musicians in L.A. Um, and um, yeah, so I'm kind of looking forward to that and just seeing, you know, hopefully people like it. Of course, you know, some people like it, some people hate it. Um, well, let me ask you this real quick: the song yeah. "Flesh and Blood." When was it written? I well, I, I I actually wrote the music first. I recorded it like in January, and I was going to write about something else. But then this whole you know disaster, you know, COVID thing ha happened, and I'm like, you know what? I, I well, write about that's why that. I was going to ask you. There's the there's there's the lyric about scared of the virus and, and don't want to yeah. get it, and I thought. Yeah. This is like this is the first COVID music I've heard. Uh, you know, this is somebody that's been cooped up in, in his house, and uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I thought that was I thought that was a little bit too coincidental for that not to be the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I basically kind of kind of finished the lyrics like a month or so ago, and I'm like, okay, I got it. This is the time. Well, I can't tour. And I know we we've joked on here. I'm sure there's going to be some like prog metal band come out with a COVID uh, concept album or something. You know, of course, uh, yeah. Dream the Dream Theater or somebody do something like that. Yeah, yeah. Do you have plans to to take it out on the road once touring resumes after all this? Um, not 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 as of yet. I'm just kind of kind of uh, you know, it's mostly just kind of like an art an art thing. Um, We'll see what happens. Uh, I, I have some other songs that I that I that, you know I have I have other song song ideas. I you know I know so many great great musicians and I might you know I might get a, a couple different people to play some different stuff and you know a lot of a lot of musicians have expressed that like the landscape has kind of changed for releasing music and it's actually you know become a little more independent friendly these days and uh, you know yeah. so. You know, I could I could see you know these definitely being a great success, and uh, you know we wish you well, nothing but you. the best with them. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, and um, you guys got to you guys got to check out Lizzie and the Makers. Lizzie is a big American. She's a big Chris Chris Robinson fan, and right, she on. really sings. She sings great, and uh, she wrote she wrote her songs with Greg Greg McMullen is an excellent uh, guitar player. And anyway, so this 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 record is just being finished up now, produced by um, Reeves Reeves Gabrell, the guitar player with a Cure. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Reeves and uh, Mario McNulty's a great engineer uh, uh, producer, 
mixer guy. And um, so, so anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. But uh, yeah, I wanted to mention that because I'm I, I did a lot of synth synth sort of uh, stuff, like a lot of kind of soundscape stuff, like not. I mean, I think I played organ on one song, but most of it's just kind of synthy stuff. And cool. you know, I mean, I, I'm really into I'm into that stuff too. Excellent. Well, we will definitely be checking that out, and we will definitely check out the Split Second Meltdown. We greatly appreciate you coming on with us, Rob. If you wouldn't mind just hanging out after we wrap this up, we just want to have a quick chat with you. But uh, as I mentioned to you by email when we spoke, we usually let our our guests uh, dictate the outro music, and you had mentioned to me uh, two tracks, one of them being Virtue and Vice by the Black Crows. So I went and found... Uh, a version of that you actually played on. So I'm no way. Go, yeah. So I'm gonna uh, play. I went and bought it off the uh, liveblackcrows.com just to have it, and uh, I'm gonna play that out. So here's uh, the Black Crows with Mr. Rob Cloris on uh, keys oh, doing virtue and vice. And thank you again for coming on with us. Sure, man. Thank thank you guys, Ian and David, and and be safe. Hopefully we'll see you at a venue soon. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, thanks everybody for tuning in, and stay tall, everybody.
get to come twice.